Hey friends, I'm Elena Davis, your integrative health coach, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the Health Forward podcast where each week we will be talking about different things that move us forward toward a healthier and more fulfilling life. Thanks so much for listening in. Welcome back, friends. I am so excited about today's podcast episode. Today is episode 29, and we are talking about one of the pillars of good health, and that is sleep. Sleep often gets overlooked because I think most of us think, well, yeah, I know sleep is important. I sleep. I've got that covered. Check that box. But Really, we haven't paid a lot of attention to either the quality of the sleep we're getting or really prioritize getting enough sleep. And today I want to talk about why both of those things are so important. In an article that I read recently by Dr. Chris Kesser, he is a functional medicine practitioner, and he wrote an entire article just on how sleep affects our lives. And he, in that article, he stated that more than one third of Americans have trouble sleeping every night and 51% says more than half of adults say that they have problems sleeping at least a few nights a week. And then 43% of those people also reported that daytime sleepiness interferes with their normal daytime activities. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can. I definitely know that there are days, especially when I'm not getting enough sleep or my sleep has been really interrupted, looking at you, toddler, (laughs) that I just feel like I can't think straight and there's just not enough coffee in the world to like get me through the day. So let's go ahead and dive into this and talk about why sleep is so important to our health. Sleep is absolutely essential for the basic functions and repair and healing of our bodies. Our, all the systems in our body, our neurological systems, endocrine systems, immune system, musculoskeletal and digestive systems as well, all of those depend on us getting enough sleep for them to properly function. In our body's natural design, we start to produce the hormone melatonin as the sun goes down during the evening. And what that does is that actually increases our immune function, our, our immune response. And one of the things it does is help protect us against infection. That's why, um, I don't know if you've noticed this in yourself, if you go several nights in a row without good sleep, or if your sleep is really interrupted, you are way more likely to get sick. And I know I've experienced that several times, like when traveling or something is just off um, in my normal sleep patterns, it's not unlikely that I get like a cold or something or just feel bad um, for a couple days. And really sleep has been shown to be so important to our overall health that A total lack of sleep or sleep deprivation will end up being fatal. Like we actually cannot live without sleep. We can go way longer without food than we can without sleep. The article that I mentioned before, I think it stated that lab rats who were denied the ability to sleep died after only like two weeks, I think it was. So as you can see, it's absolutely vital for us and for our well-being. 
among many others, I mean, sleep has so many benefits, but here are just a few of the benefits of a full night's sleep. So according to the National Sleep Foundation, that means seven to nine hours of sleep for an adult. So a couple of the benefits, it helps to regulate our blood sugar and our metabolic function. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast before about the importance of having a stabilized blood sugar and how when it's not stabilized, it can just cascade into all kinds of things like insulin issues and diabetes and hormone issues. And um, it can just really get out of hand quickly. And so one of the things sleep does is it regulates that. Also, the metabolic function, that's so important when you're trying to keep your weight under control and you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to maintain a certain weight. Um, it decreases the risk of heart disease and diabetes. It also decreases the risk of autoimmune disease. It enhances our memory and our mental clarity, just our cognitive ability overall. It improves athletic importance performance. It boosts our mood and our overall energy. It improves our immune function. I've already spoken to that a little bit. And it also increases our tolerance for stress. So let's talk about the flip side of that coin for a minute. Those are all the benefits. So what starts to happen to our body when we don't get enough sleep? So in this same article that I mentioned before, It also stated that most adults admit to only getting an average of about six hours of sleep a night. And again, the recommendation is seven to nine hours. So doing this on a regular basis, six hours or less, this can greatly increase our risk for impaired immune systems, obesity, blood sugar imbalance, insulin resistance, diabetes, hypertension, mood disorders, impaired cognitive abilities, and systemic inflammation, which as we know, that low level chronic inflammation is often a root cause and a key factor in all kinds of diseases. So really, it's just the flip side of that coin of all the things that sleep helps with when we don't get it, it really goes the other direction and it can go that way pretty quickly and pretty severely. Lack of proper sleep has also been shown to make us hungrier and to increase our food cravings, specifically for sugar. Honestly, there's no health condition or symptom that a lack of sleep does not make worse. So, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of a nutritious diet and how it's so important to think about the things we put into our bodies and making sure we're drinking enough water and moving our bodies. I think we hyper-focus on those things and those are all very important. But really, we can do all of those things. And if we're not dealing with the stress in our life and we're not making sure we're making sleep a priority we're still going to end up being unhealthy and we're still going to end up having those negative health symptoms and possibly lead to those chronic diseases. So how can we make sleep a priority and protect it? I've got some general recommendations, um, things I found to be helpful in my own life, and then also suggestions from other health professionals. And I've kind of broken them up into two sections. And the first section has to do with setting good boundaries around your sleep time, and then protecting your sleep environment. So things like 
reducing your exposure to artificial light at least two hours before you go to bed. So practically that looks like, you know, turning down the lights in your house. Don't have all your lights on at night. Um, wear the blue light blocking glasses. Those have become a little more popular lately. You can find them on Amazon. A lot of the times if you wear prescription glasses, you can have that added into your prescription lens. Um, turning screens off at least, at least one hour before bed. They really recommend doing it two hours before bed. And I know that is difficult. That's difficult for me because a lot of times I need to do some work at night or I just want to unwind and watch a show with my husband. So that's a big one that I really need to work on personally. They also recommended using a salt lamp in your bedroom instead of like the artificial lights in your lamps or your overhead light. And that's uh, salt lamps have other health benefits as well. So that's a great idea. Another idea is to find a ritual, some kind of rhythm that you can do in the evening that helps you to clear your mind and and to de-stress from the day before you go to bed. So whatever that looks like for you, maybe that's a bath, maybe that's stretching and praying, maybe that looks like reading a book or journaling, just something that will help your body to calm down and go ahead and just clear all the thoughts and the stress from the day. Remember, we've talked about stress a lot before, and when we're stressed, that creates an increase of cortisol and adrenaline in the body, and those two things are enemies to sleep. And so if you're feeling really stressed and you're worried about your day and you're getting real anxious about tomorrow before you try to go to bed, that's really going to interfere with your ability to go to sleep. Going to bed at a decent time is also really important. We get our deepest sleep in the first half of the night. That's the sleep that is non-REM sleep. And so that's actually where most of the healing and repair and regeneration happens when we're sleeping. And so when we wait to go to bed until midnight, one, two, we really have missed a lot of the opportunity for that repair and regeneration. And those things are so important, just not only for like healing of what you might think of, you know, like if you sprain your ankle or something like that, but for our brains, um, for just emotional, like the stress we're talking about, or trauma or like memory that's where like a lot of those long-term memory things um, happen and so it's really important to get to bed at a decent time a lot of the studies I've read really suggest getting in bed around 10 before 11 for sure Um, both for men and women I read a study one time that suggested that women should go to bed no later than 10 and men no later than 11 I don't know the specifics on why those times are different, but, um, most things that I read seem to be in agreement of somewhere in that window, definitely before 11 PM so that you can get that just restorative deep sleep along those same lines, trying to go to bed and wake up, waking up at the same time every day also just really helps with our body's natural rhythms, our circadian rhythms. We're built in with this rhythm of being awake in the daylight and then winding down and sleeping at night. And 
I think a lot of times we can throw those rhythms off when we sleep in super late on some days and then we get up super early other days and we stay up real late at night some days. Obviously, this is within reason. Sometimes there are things outside of our control like our work schedules or um, just events or something that, that aren't our normal, but I'm talking about our normal kind of weekly um, schedules, trying to go to bed at the same time within, you know, the same probably 30 minute window every night and then waking up within the same 30 minute to an hour window every day, even on the weekends, even on your days off, it will help your body in the long term as far as your body's just ability to expect sleep during certain times. And then just really working on making your bedroom a preferred environment for sleeping. So making sure that the room is cool, it's not too hot, making sure that there are no artificial lights going on. So completely dark, um, maybe that means blackout curtains or not having um, lights from electronics and alarm clocks and things like that going. You can either cover those up or maybe use like an analog alarm clock instead. Um, and you know, if you can't do those things, then maybe using a sleep mask will help. Also, this leads to the next one of keeping phones and electronics out of your room. This is one of those that personally, I know we need to do, but we just haven't done it. And so many studies talk about the importance of just for so many different reasons of being able to actually disconnect from needing your phone in your hand of looking at the screen right before you go to bed or first thing when you wake up. Also just the sounds, you know, if you get notifications during the night, your phone either dings or it buzzes that can disrupt your sleep. Also, um, there's a lot of talk about electronics, putting out EMFs and how that can actually interfere with our sleep cycles and just cause us to not get as restorative of sleep. Some people go as far as to say you should turn off Wi-Fi in your house, like put it on a timer and turn it off around bedtime and then have it come back on in the morning. Um, obviously you need to do what works best for you, but those are things to consider that can really interfere with your quality of sleep. And then another idea that I love and we've done personally, and it does really help is diffusing essential oils while you sleep. So oils like lavender, Roman chamomile, and I always say this wrong. I think it's Lang Lang. Um, They're all really great options that help to naturally promote a calming sense over your body, especially if your mind tends to race or you tend to struggle with a little anxiety at night, those can really help to just naturally calm all of that in your body. And then also personally for me, I found just sometimes nighttime can be really an anxious time for me. And so really just spending some time to pray before I go to bed and to really clear my heart and clear my mind and then sometimes even reading scripture specifically about, you know, just God's promises or something that will speak to whatever anxiety that I'm feeling at that time. And then also doing some breathing work has really helped me. Like while I'm praying, I will work on controlling my breathing. 
And that is, that can kind of go down another road of talking about dealing with anxiety. But a lot of times I have found that insomnia or not being able to fall asleep and anxiety often go hand in hand. And so doing either the 444 method for breathing, so that's you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, and then you breathe out for four seconds. That has really helped me. And then there's also the 478 method um, that's similar. You breathe in for four, you hold for seven, and you breathe out for eight, whichever you find to be most helpful and more comfortable for you. Those really help to just kind of center my mind and it gives me something to focus on besides what I'm thinking about because I have to really focus on my breathing. Also, studies have shown that when you're really struggling with anxious thoughts, it kind of, you start using a different part of your brain. Instead of using the more logical part of your brain, you you switch over into kind of the more emotional side of your brain. And it can be really difficult to reason with yourself and to talk yourself back down. And so when you do those breathing exercises, that actually helps to activate the um, parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest nervous system, which helps to calm all those stress hormones and helps you to get back to the logical part of your brain and be able to think a little more rationally. So if that's something that you struggle with anxiety at night, try that. Try the breathing exercises. Try reading some scripture. Try journaling your thoughts or your prayers or um, just something to really distract your brain and get you back to being able to think a little more logically about what's going on. So the next section of recommendations really have more to do with how we live in the daytime, like what we can do in the day to set ourselves up for success at night. So um, getting outside during the day is one of the things that really helps the natural sunlight during the day will help your brain with the circadian rhythm. So knowing, okay, it's daytime. I'm outside. There's sunlight. This is time to be awake. So then when the sun goes down, you naturally start to produce that melatonin. Um, also to give you a good dose of vitamin D, which can also help with melatonin production. Also moving your body during the day. We've talked about the benefits of exercise and just how many things that seems to affect, but sleep is definitely one of those things. And um, walking outside in the evening, so that kind of puts together being outside. Also, if you do that in the evening, you get exposed to the red light from the sun, and that also helps to trigger that melatonin production. Decreasing the amount of caffeine you're consuming is a big one especially after lunchtime. Try to switch from your coffee um, to either an herbal tea that's caffeine-free or if you still feel like you have to have caffeine, if you can't just cold turkey switch to something that's decaffeinated, then maybe trying something like matcha or like a green tea that's a little more of a natural caffeine source. Um, they're both natural caffeine sources, but the green tea is, it's just the body. It's a little easier on your adrenal glands. And so, um, that can help with that. Plus it has just a lot of antioxidants that can help with other stressors going on in the body, but just trying to decrease the caffeine consumption overall will help with your sleep. 
Stop eating at least one to two hours before bed. Really, the preference is two to three hours before bed. So this has a lot of reasons and a lot of benefits, but it's, it is difficult for your body to sleep well when your body's working hard to digest the food that you just ate. And so that can cause some interference in your sleep cycles and just make it difficult for you to get in that deep sleep, that restorative sleep that we were talking about. So trying to cut your food intake off at least a couple hours before bed. This also will just help your body overall. It helps your digestive system. It gives it a break. It helps your metabolic system. It helps your liver to clear out some of the stored up um, glycogen, the stored glucose. So it can just be beneficial overall. It gives you just a little bit wider of a natural fasting window while you're sleeping at night. And then lastly, if you feel like you just really need some extra support in this area, adding in some extra magnesium into your day can really help. So there's a couple of different ways to do that. Magnesium is a mineral and um, you can get that through doing like an Epsom salt bath at night, soaking in Epsom salts for 30, 40 minutes before bed. That can really help. Also, you can take a supplement of magnesium. There are several different ones out there. My preference is actually a multi-mineral and it's by Mary Ruth Organics. It's liquid. They have several different flavors. And um, a lot of us are just deficient in minerals in general, especially magnesium. And so that's a great way to get more minerals into your diet, but also just to the magnesium itself can help promote natural melatonin production in your body. And I really prefer a magnesium supplement over a melatonin supplement. Most health professionals do because melatonin is an actual hormone. And so you have to be very, very careful when you start adding in hormones to your body. And especially with melatonin, it can be somewhat habit forming your body can become dependent on it and um, really melatonin is something that should be used under the supervision of a health professional and it should be very short term so magnesium is a great alternative to that like I said most people are deficient and so you're really gonna not find a lot of people that it's easy to get too much and you don't really have to worry about that I will link the Mary Ruth Organics multi-mineral liquid into the show notes is a great option if you feel like you could use a little extra support in just getting your body to relax so that you can sleep better. I know that we do not live in a perfect world and sometimes there are just things that are outside of our control or feel outside of our control that can interfere with both the quality and the quantity of our sleep, but there are still things that we can do to help prioritize and protect our sleep because it does matter. And if we don't, we will see the negative effects of that. It will catch up to us. So if one of these tips stood out to you, please let me know in the comments, or if you're listening on Apple podcast, leave me a review. I would love to see that hopefully five stars, but 
you know, be honest and um, let me know in the review which tip you plan to try. I think all of us could probably apply at least one of these. I know this was a great reminder for me as I was preparing for this podcast to just kind of tighten up and tweak a few things and um, just prioritize and protect my sleep a little better as well. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I hope it's full of good nights of sleep and I will see you next time. Please remember that the content in this episode is not to be considered as medical advice and is only intended as general health information. Thanks so much for listening in today. See you back here next week for another episode of the Health Forward Podcast.